0: Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLam.
1: Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLam, joined again this week with uh, my daughter, Sarah Beth, who was actually able today to join me for the entire interview Uh, So,
2: how are you doing today, Sarah? I'm doing really well. It's beautiful today. It's 70 degrees and sunny, so I'm happy.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. Hey, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, we interviewed Brian Highfield, who identifies himself as the happiest person he knows. He describes his journey from being a depressed youth with very limited hope and dreams to someone now, who is the happiest person he knows. And the bearded philosopher, as he's uh, branded himself, really dumps some major truth bombs on us today. So Sarah, what were some of the, the things that Brian shared with us on his journey to understanding how people can become fulfilled in life? Not just happy, but fulfilled.
2: Well, I definitely say that was a really great point that he was making is that happiness is a feeling and it comes and goes, but fulfillment Mm -hmm. is that foundation. So I really loved his points on that. He shared five laws um, to help us feel more fulfilled in life, which was awesome. And then just hearing more about his life experiences and the things that he goes through and some of his stories. um, It was awesome. Like the whole interview was great. Um, Just hearing him talking about happiness and I mean, how we can get there.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed Brian's uh, comment, Five Laws, as well. That that he talks about the five laws of fulfillment that he described. Very practical, very easy to to understand and look for the app and and to examine those laws and look for the application. Look down in the show notes or or listen, if you're listening, look at the show notes because there are some links to his website and to the book that actually describes this a little bit more. His book called Bazooka Proof. And so you're really going to enjoy this conversation with the bearded philosopher, author, and entrepreneur, Mr. Brian Hyfield. Brian, thank you for joining us today on the Gen Z show. Before we even get started, let's do a shout out to our mutual friend, Dave Kaufman, who introduced us. So thank you, Dave, uh, for that. So, but thank you again for joining us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: Well, Brian, our audience wants to know a little bit more about you from you. They've heard Sarah Beth and I talk about you, but they want to hear about you from you. So if you don't mind, just introduce yourself to our Gen Z audience.
0: Yeah, for sure. So my name is Brian Highfield. I'm coming to you from Sarasota, Florida. Uh, I lived in Ohio for 20 years. 25 years, actually, Cleveland, Ohio. And my wife and I decided to no longer participate in winter. And that's why we moved to the uh, sunny state of Florida. But it's been a, a long journey to, to get here. Uh, grew up in southern part of Ohio, very rural uh, country, um, in a very small town. It had more than one stoplight. Some people say, well, was it a one stoplight town? No, it had two. But uh, it's a small town, uh, just in, in, in the country and uh just had a uh, a childhood there with a lot of different experiences uh my dad was dabbled in a lot of different things he was a truck driver he was a farmer uh he was a real estate agent just trying to piece together uh any any money could to support a family of five kids i was the youngest of those five kids and Uh, my brothers and sisters let me know that I was the spoiled one, but I don't think that was the case really. Um, and then, you know, it just growing up, um, you know, we were, we were poor, but didn't really know how poor we were. And in fact, the today's stands are probably, probably lower middle class. You know, we weren't destitute. We weren't, uh, impoverished or anything, but, uh, you know, we, we were on the lower end of the, of the spectrum. And, uh, So that presented its own challenges living you know growing up in a family of seven people in a three bedroom one bathroom house i mean that's that's yeah that's kind of where where we grew up and uh uh, it was you know i I wouldn't trade that childhood for for anything because there were so many good lessons learned growing up in that type of environment and having to be resourceful Mm -hmm. um and doing that and i was i was often I was often depressed at times because we you know we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot and i saw people that that did and and envy got the better of me here and there uh, but i couldn't do the things that i wanted to do and i couldn't have the things i wanted to have and i really wanted the most out of life but i got addicted to being depressed and and you can get addicted to being depressed sometimes um it you enjoy being depressed and that that's that's that scared me actually when I realized that that I was actually looking to be depressed to feel better. And that sounds wacky, I know, uh, but that's that's where I was as as a kid. But I made a decision along the way that I wasn't going to stay in that situation. I wasn't going to let that happen, um, and I started really dreaming big. Um, mm. And 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 I had people, including my own parents, sometimes that would try to uh steal those dreams sometimes you know they were kind of looking out for my best interest i don't blame them for that they were trying to bring me down to reality but i didn't want to stay in reality i wanted to to create a new reality for myself Uh, i wanted to go to the most expensive school in the state um, and my parents were trying to talk me into going to community college uh, instead because it was something that what they thought was more realistic uh, but where there's a will, there's a way. I, I found a way to get admitted to that school and to somehow pay for that school. Uh, and, and with a combination of a lot of student loans and uh, and some some uh, loan from my grandfather, I, I was able able to accomplish that. and uh, I, I studied engineering, became an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for one of the largest communications firms in the in the country for. Several years, but I always had an entrepreneurial spirit, and I started two successful businesses uh, that are still thriving today. and And so that has uh, allowed me to realize my dreams and to actually um, have the things that I've always wanted to have, and and be the person I wanted to be, and and do the things I wanted to do with with the people that that I love and and, and care about. Uh, life short, so you know. Let's where there's a will, there's a way. Let's go make it happen, and and go out there and and get out of life what you want out of it. And that's that's what I what I was trying to do. And and I put a lot of those thoughts into uh, into my book, Bazooka Proof, which really talks a lot about that.
1: Well, you mentioned well in your bio on your website, which we'll share in a moment. It talks about you being that depressed youth, a feeling of hopelessness and. And and really feeling like a limited dreams, and then it transforming you into the happiest person that you know. You hit on some of that as you were talking about it. And one of the things that you mentioned, you know, it talked about uh hopelessness to dreaming big. So could you tell us in that transformation journey a little bit of how how that happened there? And and then I want to come back, or maybe you'll talk about during this. Is is was there a connection between being hopelessness and moving out of that and and being free to dream?
0: Yeah, and so yeah, that that transition, it, it came to a lot of a lot of thinking, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands. So a lot of thought and and so um, I, I started to really ponder um, a little bit about life in general, but more specifically, the power we have over our, our own lives, which we don't realize most of us feel hopeless, we feel powerless, we don't have the control that we want in our lives, and I would say, in a lot of ways, we we really do because you can't control what happens to you, but you can not control how you react to things. And that was one of the things that I began to realize is I had, and we all have tremendous power on the thoughts that enter our head. We we do have control over that. And uh, you know, one, one of my one of my uh, main principles that I think if you understand this principle. Um The rest becomes a little, a little bit easier, uh, but the principle is about um, it, it's about understanding that you are the only person who can decide how you feel at any moment in time. No one else has the power over you to put thoughts into your head unless you let them. So, uh, so quit letting people put negative thoughts and those thoughts of hopelessness in your head and start listening to To your own thoughts and realize it. it's a great power once you realize it, and and people often say, well, yeah, I kind of know that already. I kind of know, uh, but they 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 may know, but they don't practice it a lot. And it's is something you have to practice. And that was an important part of the transition. Is as things would happen to me, I, I would be faced with a decision of, okay, do I want to feel sad and depressed about this, or do I want to try to find a silver lining, or how can I? turn this into a a positive thought or a positive experience. Um, And and we all look at things differently. And and so you can experience, you can be next to someone who experiences the exact same thing as you and have two very different reactions to it. Uh, One example comes to mind. I went to a restaurant with with, uh, my family and it was a busy restaurant. So I set my expectation. We're gonna have to wait a while for a table. You know, we're going to have to wait a while. And we did. We waited 45 minutes before we were sat down. Uh, And then we sat down. They brought our food out quickly, um, but we didn't get our appetizers. And my family was furious, furious. They they chose to be angry over this. And and when we alerted the waiter that we didn't get our appetizer, he brought it right away. And he said, I'm taking it off the bill. And I, I was elated. I was I was excited about that. But my family was still furious about this, and it bothered them the whole night uh, with that. And it really, that experience, uh, one of many, like struck me like, how can we both experience the same thing? But you're walking away angry and upset over the experience, and I experienced joy, and I was elated that that had happened. Um, and that was just an example of this: the choices that we have in our own lives on how we react to things that are outside of our control.
1: Mm. That's that speaks really deep. And it's very much a Ziegler philosophy, too, that you control. uh, You can't control what happens to you, but you can control your actions to this. I want to. Yeah, go ahead, sir.
2: I was just going to say, yeah. And when you were introducing yourself and like who like what you've done um, and the experiences you've went through, you talked about as a youth, you were. Um, almost choosing to be depressed. Um, and I mean, I've seen that, like you said, you and your family experienced the same thing and had two totally different outcomes and how you felt. Um, I felt that too. Sometimes I, I feel like I choose to be sad over something or upset over something when like in reality, it's not that big a deal, but it almost makes me feel better and feel sorry for myself. Like that weird balance that you are talking about. Do you mind like expanding on yeah. that process and how you think that affects people?
0: Well, yeah, and and we we uh, we sometimes make excuses for ourselves. We, we tell ourselves it's, it's OK to feel that way. And it, it is to feel OK that way. But it's not OK to stay in that place for very long. Um, and uh, so um, uh, so when we experience those those types of emotions, um, you can get addicted to them. And so if you're always looking for the negative things, um, you know, you're, you're going to be addicted to that. And so any experience you have, you start figuring out what's wrong. And, and then if you find something that's wrong, all of a sudden, the thought enters your head, well, oh, I, I need to be mad about this. I, sh- I should be infuriated. And I'm just going to sit here and, and, and you know, and wallow in my misery because th- this happened over here. Now, the opposite, if we're looking for something good, we're going to find it. And there's a rule out there that says whether you're looking for something good or something bad, you're going to find whatever you're looking for. Uh, and, and so I always chose to look for the good in things rather than, than trying to pick apart. Cause I knew that if you are looking for the bad things, you're going to find them and then you're going to choose to feel bad about them. And so why not? If we have a choice, I'd rather feel good about it than bad about it.
2: Yeah. How do we, how do we, as parents, oh,
1: I'm sorry, just you, Sarah, you want to
2: say something? One more follow-up question. That's yeah. just like, yeah. I have to ask it right now. Do you think that's linked to, um, people their like self image, like how they view themselves, like if they're looking for bad, do you think it's because of how they feel about themselves?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's both inward and, and outward projection. Um, and and I, I used to, you know, and I looked at people, I would try to find something wrong with them, because I wanted to make myself feel better. And we often do that. We f- often do that. If we can find something wrong with them, then I feel a little bit better about myself. And that's the wrong way, because we can celebrate everybody and everybody's got their own unique Look and and everything that they offer and their their own mind, um, and so I, I think we have to have a positive self self image. And I think there's good in everybody. We're gonna find something, you know. Maybe you don't you, you know you don't look like the Barbie doll or you look like the Ken doll, and and often we put a lot on 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 how we look uh, in the mirror to, to feel good about ourselves, um, and uh, we often discount uh, all the other good qualities that that we offer. Um, and so I, I, realized, you know, as a kid, I was doing that too. And I became very judgmental. And, um, uh, that's, that's something I'm, I'm kind of anti that now. I'm really like, when I look at someone, I'm trying to find, um, uh, the best out of them. Um, and, and I used to, you know, if someone tripped and fell on the street. I used to be the person to laugh at him. Ha <laughs> You know, look at that guy. Uh, but, but really it's like, gosh, is, is, you know, that, that's sad that that guy had an experience of fell and you feel bad for him. And, and so it was really, uh, I began to look at people differently to try to find, uh, those, those positive things, but you're right. Um, I think when we do that, we start to feel better about ourselves too, because we're, we're a better person for that. We're less judgmental. Um, we're, we're less, um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it. We just, we just less superficial really, mm-hmm. uh, and, and looking for those good qualities in everybody. I
1: think it's important for us to, to uh, tackle this this subject of of hopelessness. Um, I don't know if, if you two have seen this, but the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention just last Thursday released a survey on, on youth today that they conducted in 2021. And one of the findings is that they had is that four out of ten, four in ten Teens are reporting that they feel persistently sad or hopeless. That's the words that they are using, persistently sad or hopeless. 40% of all teens, according to this survey, are feeling that way. So, how as a parent or as someone who is working with you, how can we help youth? Because there's a lot of self-awareness that you talk about. You had the self-awareness when you were sitting there thinking about it to say, I need to get out of this state. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking four and ten, forty percent. They they're they're not reaching that level of self awareness. How, how do we help them do that? What are some practical ways? You know, because I'm sitting here thinking, there's somebody watching this, and they're going, "You're describing my child. You're describing this youth I'm working with. What can I do today to start them on that journey?"
0: Yeah, and I think and communication is key. I think in, in any relationship, but especially between parents and and their kids. And I say that because to, to really um, when something happens in the news, first of all, you probably need to turn off the news because the news is nothing but negative out there. And to, to the youth, it, it could really instill like, man, it is it is a horrible world out there. Um, there's all these bad things happening, these bad people doing bad things, um, and that's all we see on the TV a lot. Um, but if we, they do see that, to have, that's where the communication is important, to have that conversation about what's really happening and, and why it's happening so they better understand it, Rather than just feeling uh, a sense of, of helplessness or hopelessness that this is happening in their world, and this is the world they're growing up in, and that they're going to venture off into uh, with that. So, um, I, and I don't I don't want to say overprotect them and not show them the news, but be able to have a conversation of what's really happening there, and try to find those silver linings of what's what's good that can come out of that uh, that situation, and have those types of conversations uh as well so uh you know i've got a five-year-old son and we're having those conversations because uh we'll be you know he'll see the what's going on with the the war in ukraine and he's like you daddy what's what's going on why are they doing that and and to have be able to explain it to understand like yeah there's those situations exist but um the good that 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 are in people at the same time so we talk about the refugees and what people are doing to help the refugees that are in that situation um, and the world leaders of what they're trying to do to make things right. And, and so to give them a sense that, it, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a war that that's, that's just bad. There, there's some good things happening at the same time. It's a terrible situation. It's tragic, but to look for the good, good in people, what good people are doing in spite of this, this tragic situation that's going on in Ukraine.
1: What do you think caused you to, to, to for that switch to flip on in you that said, hey, I'm in this bad spot. I need to get out of that. Because um, I was thinking when you were talking about that, the very first thought that came to my mind was that was obviously pre-social media because yeah. most youth you are feeling some kind of depression. Sarah so would you agree to this? They're feeling some kind of depression. They tend to gravitate towards their devices mm-hmm. to get that hit of of, you know, they that, use dopamine
0: that hit, you know
2: yeah,
1: from social media for hit. sure <laughs> instead you know our generations tend to we didn't have that so we had a little bit more reflection time so what was the switch do you think in you
0: you know it was i i think i just i got sick of liking being depressed if that makes any yeah. sense it was I, I i came to the realization that i i was choosing to be depressed on purpose to make myself feel better to give myself an excuse um, and I, I kind of said, this is just a bad path to be on. Um, where does this end? It can't end anywhere good. And that was the realization I had. Right. So I really started to think differently. I really started to change my mindset a little bit and, and, and worked on things to become more resilient, uh, to have that mental toughness, uh, when bad things happen that I can just shrug them off.
1: Right. I like that. I like that a lot. So you just you mentioned earlier that a lot of these principles and these stories and stuff you put in your book. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your book so that if folks can see it, they can use it as a resource to start them on their journey.
0: For sure. Yeah. So the, I named the book Bazooka Proof because it's not I think people can be better than bulletproof. And that's why I called it Bazooka Proof. Um, and it's really talking about having that resilient mindset. Resilience, though, is, hey, if you get knocked down, you can get back up. And, but I put some principles in the book. It's like, don't get knocked down in the first place. Cause again, if you get knocked down, sometimes you're giving power to people to knock you down. Um, and, and so I really thought long and hard about it. And I really boiled it down to five principles in the book. And I call them the five laws of fulfillment. And I thought fulfillment was the appropriate r- word rather than happiness. Uh, happiness is emotion, emotions, Go up or down, you know, it, it's really kind of always in flux on how we feel at any one moment, whereas fulfillment, I felt like was a foundation. That was yeah. if, if I have fulfillment, um, that's something that's really hard to move that, you know, you kind of you kind of have that baseline that people really can't steal from you. Um, and And so I talk about the five laws of fulfillment on how to build that baseline up um so think of it as you know if you had a million dollars in a bank um it doesn't matter you know if if someone uh steals ten dollars from you you know so the ten dollars is my happiness the moment i'd be i'd be kind of unhappy if someone stole ten dollars from me but if i have a big bank account i really don't care and i'm not gonna let it bother me very long and that's kind of an analogy to what i'm talking about so fulfillment is like your big bank account Whereas happiness is just kind of what happens on a on a day to day basis, but the 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 more solid the foundation you have, the higher your happiness level is going to be. It's going to take a lot for you to get below that threshold of what your fulfillment is. And so the five laws, uh, you know, real quickly, the the first law I've already talked about, and that's um, it's really what I call the what the the law of self actualization, um, which is all about you and only you have the power to decide how you feel at any moment in time um it's it's just it's it's a constant it's true it's just most people don't believe it or they don't practice it uh enough um there's also the law of appreciation uh, you know appreciation plays such a huge role in our emotional well-being and our, and our mental toughness uh so when we learn to appreciate what we have when something doesn't go our way we're like it's okay i i still have this i still have a family that loves me i still have Uh, this going on in my life that's good and so if we if we recognize those things that are going right when something doesn't go right it doesn't bother us as much we don't stress out about it we don't we don't enter that state of hopelessness and helplessness Um, so we need to learn to appreciate what we have more what we have going for us Um, and I do a whole there's a whole talk that I do on this because a lot of people are like well you know they may be in a situation where they don't feel like they have a lot to appreciate and i'm not going to go through my whole talk we don't have time today but one of the first principles i say in my talk is you're alive you're alive right now 150,000 people died today and i'm sure a vast majority of them would give anything to stay another day on this earth so you're alive right now um and so you know you have that to appreciate um and kind of build from there right you're alive you have health you have youth We, we were talking to a lot of people you know we're your audience is youth or people are working youth. Uh, do you know how many billionaires would give their fortune to trade their age with someone else?
1: Mm. I mean, unfortunately,
0: we can't do that, right? But, hey, I just turned 50. I'd give everything I own to be 25 again. Um, and so for people that if I can are...
1: keep the knowledge that I have now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Keep keep the knot while well, shoot I don't know. I'd, I'd 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 be dumber. I'd I'd take that <laughs> and have my youth again. <laughs> um, I I that you know that's 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 fine with me. If I could be 25 again, I'll give up some of my some of my intellect. <laughs> um, but that's you know young people need to realize that they have a true gift. It's worth billions of dollars. Like I said, there's billionaires who would give them their fortune. If they could exchange their youth, and so Mr. we need to learn to appreciate that. Mr. It Ziegler related said related to that. An hour on that on that topic.
1: Well, Mr. Ziegler, when you said about being alive, Mr. Ziegler said you should be appreciative every day that you can wake up. He says if you if you don't think you should be appreciative for every day that you're alive, just try skipping one.
0: Yeah. You know I, mean? <laughs> I, I you know he, he has a wonderful way of putting things. It's the same principle. I love it. Uh, So that's that's the law of appreciation. We've got the law of what I call self-preservation. And this is about um, a quick example to illustrate this point is, hey, if you'd be super bummed if you got a speeding ticket, then then don't speed. Don't drive like a maniac on the road. Uh, Okay, and that's that's simple and that's easy to understand. But uh, sometimes we we um, we take on risk without really knowing it of things that that can really uh, make us ha- uh, unhappy, and so if we avoid, it sounds simple, right? Um, identify things that can make you unhappy, and and avoid those things. Uh, but it's something you actually have to practice and and learn. Uh, it's 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 a skill set, really. So you want to avoid any of those pitfalls in life that sometimes can make you spiral out of control um there's the law of the positive mindset uh and it goes back to what i was saying if if you're looking for positive things you're going to find them if you're looking for negative things you're going to find them so let's let's make a choice there let's i'd rather be happy and i'd rather be positive so i'm going to look for positive things out there than looking for the negative things and the last one is the law of personal connection personal connection means so much for for people's resilience and for their mental toughness for their happiness levels Ah uh, for their overall joy in their life. So personal connection is very, very important. and I talk about some quick things that people can practice um, to to help with that. For example, I think there's nothing more powerful in this world that you can do than give someone a compliment. Mm. Give someone a small a small compliment. Um, it can change it can change their day, it can change their week. it can change their whole world. Um, you know, a, a quick example, uh, my wife and I were traveling. we travel a lot and we're in the airport and we saw, the person at the ticket desk just having the worst day possible. We could see that. I mean, her uh, negative energy was palpable. It's just she's just exuding anger and frustration. And when it was our turn to to go up and and talk to her, my wife started the conversation saying, "Oh my gosh, I love your scarf," and you could just see the frustration and the anger just drain from their face with just a simple compliment like that. Um, and, and we don't do enough of that. I think we're, we're out there worried about ourselves and our self-image that we need to be really out there celebrating people and propping other people up because you're going to get that back tenfold.
1: I agree with you so much on that last statement. You know what it reminded me of? You remember, Sarah Beth and I were flying out of uh, Oklahoma City several years ago and big major, this was in the uh, this was like in May uh, a few years ago. It's a big major storms coming through Oklahoma at this time. And our flight was delayed. And I was looking on my phone trying to see what's going on. And I saw that I was trying to go from Oklahoma. We were going to fly from Oklahoma to Fort Worth to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I saw there was another flight that was going to go through Charlotte, North Carolina, that would get me home at almost the same time to Raleigh. So I went up to the, uh, to the counter where the, the person was at that was, And I can just tell she was frustrated because everybody was screaming at them. Our plane was delayed by several hours because they didn't have enough flight crews. I mean, they had run out of flight crews. Our flight crew was like in Chicago or something. I was like, what Mm -hmm. are they doing there? They need to be here. So everybody was yelling at her. And I went up and I said, I just want to tell you, I think you're doing a great job today. None of this is is, is your fault and you are working as hard as you can. The person next to her said she really needed to hear that today.
0: And i said listen
1: we're on that flight i says it may not be possible i just want to check and see if there's any opportunity for us to get on this next one but if not i understand i'm not going to hold you responsible or or, or you know i just want to be 10 minutes later brian we were on the flight to charlotte she never <laughs> said a word to me she just typed it up and then she handed me the baby, the new tickets that says you guys are on it. and we were home it was so bad that our flight did not leave for another 16 hours. Wow. <laughs> but we got home immediately. And I think it was just because I wasn't trying to butter up to get that. Yeah. I just could tell she was really stressed out.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, And, and people I was like, I have that. a
1: request, but I need to try to give her some value as well.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. They're going to feel better about themselves, and they're going to be more likely to help other people with what whatever they need. And I always try to make an effort – uh, in any restaurant, even if the service is just okay, I, I always tell the server you did a great job. Uh, and I think people in any job they have need to be recognized for the effort that they put into it. Um, you know, especially nowadays where where it's hard to find good help. Mm-hmm. Um, and these people are making an effort to show up to work, and they're frustrated because they're understaffed. Um, and I think they need to hear stuff like uh, that you you said to the uh, to the airline person. They need to hear that more. Um, especially uh, with what we're facing with, with the, with the labor shortage right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And last week, Sarah Beth, you did an activity on compliments and you saw the reaction to that as well. Oh
2: yeah. yeah. People were shocked. I was like, no, like (laughs) people can give compliments and you'll feel great. You want to give other people them and that just people were shocked. Like, it was an activity with a group. They had known each other less than a day. And I mean, they could come up with some compliments for each other and it just, the whole room kind of lit up and like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and I think that's so cool. And I worked in the food service industry for right around six years. And those days where just everything was going wrong. I had people yelling at me where it wasn't my fault. And just one person could come through like the drive through line and tell me, hey, you're doing a good job. Like, thank you. And it changed the whole attitude of the day. Um, but I wanted to jump on, so you were talking about how happiness is a feeling, it comes and goes, um, but fulfillment is that foundation, um, on the back of, I was reading the back of the bazooka proof book, um, it said that it leads to the feeling of joy, um, or the response of joy. Can you touch on that and how maybe in your life or how you've seen it in other people's lives? So when you understand fulfillment, when you feel that, um, how it results in joy.
0: Yeah, sure. So so again, think of fulfillment as kind of that baseline. Now, if it's really low, you can, you, can, you know, if you have, a, you have to go way down, you can stay down there quite a bit. So if something happens to you, and you, you're you going to feel frustrated, depressed, angry, so you come all the way down here. But that foundation, as it comes up, you, it becomes almost like a trampoline. You kind of just bounce off of it. The more and more uh, that you elevate that, that fulfillment that you have in your life. And think of it as like all the... All the good things you have, and I kind of call them assets in the book. So they're, but they're not just physical assets. They're spiritual assets. They're intellectual assets that you have that keep building this up when you follow those those five laws. And so your joy is up here. So up high is your joy. And so when you build that foundation up, like I said, it's like a trampoline, and so you can get to that state of joy much more often when that when that foundation of fulfillment uh, is built up and is super high.
1: Mm We call that uh checking your inventory uh in one of the workshops we do doing a personal inventory of what you have that uh and when we're working with you sometimes they just stare at us you know when we first I don't have anything you know we have to kind of pull it out of them and then once you break through that wall of I don't have anything they just it just floods out of them and they just keep writing down as they think of stuff and
0: um, oh yeah and they they have more than than they know and and so we just need to recognize those things that they do have. Again, their their mind is going you know physical things. Well, I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. I don't have uh, a job. I don't have this. Um, and it's like no no no. You're thinking about it all wrong. Think about what what's inside of you right now. Think about your potential. We talked about youth. Just having youth that's a huge asset. Like I said, it's worth billions of dollars just having your youth. Um, mm-hmm. And and the potential is is priceless. Um, they're um, uh, just what they are able to contribute uh, into the world is is priceless. And so when people start actually inventorying um, everything that they think about, both intellectually and spiritually, in addition to what our physical assets, um, it's it's huge. It's huge.
1: Well, you know, it's part of the problem with them the inventorying. And Sarah Beth has seen this when she's done this workshop, is that they are comparing their inventory versus what they perceive other people's inventory is. Now I use the word perceived because, you know, they don't really know. They just think they know. I mean, you know, they're using their comparisons based on what they see on this too often than really what is there. So um,
0: Right. And that's, you know, and that's a that's a dangerous place to be, right? They say comparison is the thief of joy. Um and and so and, and again, you're comparing your everyday life to someone else's highlight reel. And that's not fair Um, when you look on Instagram and social media, you're seeing people's highlight reel and most of what's being posted isn't real in the first place. It's just, you know, they're, they're, they're just projecting what, what they want to be for in a lot of cases, or, um, you know, there's a whole thing about uh, what, what occurs on social media and how it's far from, from reality. But yeah, comparison is a thief of joy. and, And especially on social media can be very, very dangerous
1: you're comparing your worst day versus what someone else has put up as their perceived best day, which yeah. is really a uh, a production of their best day. Because, you know, very rarely do I see someone who's on social media putting up, well, today is my day. I you know, spilt coffee all over me and stuck my yeah. toe. And you know, <laughs> some will do yeah. that, but, sure, but and not.
0: what's funny is is that's more relatable to people. Um, you know, and, and it's funny. Um uh self-deprecation is is an art form sometimes and and when you can laugh at yourself um other people really really appreciate that because you're making other people feel better about themselves as well and saying okay i I can relate to that 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 that's happened to me before um and you that's great for building relationships too Mm -hmm. um because people there's a level of trust that comes when you see people putting them, themselves down, maybe in a funny way, or just saying, man, I had a bad day. Look at this coffee stain uh, on my shirt from going through the drive through too fast or something like that. Um, people trust you more when you're, when you're more real like that than if you put out, um, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm showing my glam, you know, I'm, I'm showing my, um, my tux or my suit or, you know, how how I uh, may want people to perceive me and instead of being self-deprecating or just, just showing the, the reality of what happens in my daily life.
2: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I just wanted to say, I have an example. One of my friends, um, she recently got engaged and uh, one of my other friends who doesn't know her quite as well um, was like, Oh man, like, look at that. Look at that picture. She looks so pretty. Like, like that's just amazing and I I don't have anything like that going for me and what she didn't know was like 10 minutes before that picture was taken that girl had dropped a blender of like Christmas stuff just all over the floor got all over her she had just had to change and like it was the worst day ever for her up until that moment and it's like I think it's so funny how like you were saying we are seeing people's like the highlight That was the highlight of her day it wasn't much better like before that um but we look at that and we're like man I wish my life was like that. Like, I don't wish I had dropped a blender of stuff on yeah. me, but yeah. yeah. Mm. Brian,
1: how can our audience get in, get in touch with you and connect with you to learn more about this?
0: Uh, for sure. So you know, the book, uh, you can go to bazookaproof.com uh, is one place if you're looking for the book or want to know more about it. Also, I've got a website called thebeardedphilosopher.com. And so a lot of the uh, articles that I've written that's been published out there in different uh, periodicals um, related to happiness, related to fulfillment, related to uh, maybe entrepreneurship and, and business are all out there on the beard philosopher.com. And then if you want to know more about my family, because by this is a family business for us, you can go to highlifeactivated.com as well. And you can and you can email us from there, our social media handles are on those websites as well. And, and we'd, we'd love to hear from everybody.
1: And for our audience that is listening and not watching, we're going to have all those uh, links in the show notes as well. So if you're looking at it, you can actually look down as well because you'll see them in the show notes on YouTube. And if you're listening, just go to where you the podcast has popped up and you'll find them notes as well. I'm assuming that thebeardyphilosopher.com has... has uh, kept you now to, you're locked in with facial hair for the rest of your life. You
0: know, in spite of uh, how my wife feels about that, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, she's like, oh, so when, when I rolled out that website, she's like, oh, does that mean you're keeping the facial hair? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gotta do It's branding now, honey. I can't, I can't yeah, change it. Yeah, I can't, I can't it. help
0: it. It's it's marketing. It's, it's the rule. <laughs>
1: I'll have to, you know, wear a fake one if I have to shave this one, so is going to be there. So, uh, Brian, thank you for your time with us today. I've enjoyed that. I really appreciate the five uh, laws that you share on fulfillment. It really supports and even expands upon a lot of the things that we at Generation Z have been trying to relate to youth over the past decade, uh, and a lot of it is said in a more concise way than, than I've heard it in, in quite a while. So I really do appreciate that. So thank you for your time today.
0: Absolutely. I, I've enjoyed the conversation here. And, and I, I love uh, uh, sharing the, the the years of of experience and pondering these things and, and being able to put them into a book that uh, can be shared with others.
1: And to our audience, thank you again for listening with us and joining us this week. Uh, someone that you know, really needs to hear this message. So like, share, and comment on this, either on YouTube or the Facebook app. Hey, and show uh, give us a review as well on those things because this will help other people hear this message. And we'll see you again next week on the Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us, too, on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.